Matthew chapter 25. Yesterday the service was two and a half hours long, and so this service is going to seem very, very brief. Amen? I appreciated one preacher. He got up about after two hours, and he preached about ten minutes because he knew that the Baptists could not listen that long. And he was a very wise, intelligent evangelist that I'm going to have here at our church because I've been wanting to have him for many, many years, Brother Darrell Hayes, tremendous preacher. But um, I thank God that we can gather here this morning, and then we're going to have church tonight. Can y'all believe that? We're going to have church tonight on Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to have church. I just want y'all to know that. We're not dismissing church for some blooming ball game, pardon the expression. And um, we usually do that uh, on uh, anniversary Sunday, and I've been accused of, uh, of lining that up. But the only reason we changed the service from the first uh, uh, this today, which I'm glad it wasn't today, after yesterday and this week, uh, is because uh, uh, it was anniversary Sunday is the reason we had it. We have afternoon service, so we don't have y'all come back on Sunday night. But I really believe this, friend, that uh, the most important thing you ought to do is come to the house of God on, on Sunday. Amen. I say this in all due respect. There is no ball game uh, worth uh, risking your life through the fog to get to on the Lord's day. And uh, I hope and pray that Kobe was saved. They said he took communion right before he got on that uh, helicopter, but communion doesn't save you. It's the blood of Jesus applied to your heart that saves you. Amen? And the real giant in my faith, in my opinion, was Brother Gary Lefford. Amen? Because when he died, I believe when he hit the streets of gold, and uh, I believe that there were several people, maybe hundreds of people, that came and said, thank you for supporting missionaries. I'm one of those souls that was reached. Thank you for preaching the gospel. I'm one of the souls that got saved. Thank you for knocking on doors in downtown Atlanta. I was one of those souls that got saved. And folks, that's the real heroes, amen? So let's, let's lift up heroes that ought to be heroes, not some sports uh, uh, people or whatever. Now, I guarantee you tonight, if you stay home and watch Super Bowl, none of those jaybirds died for you. And none of them will die for you. But Jesus died for you. We ought to come worship the Lord, say amen. As a paid political announcement for a good service at 6 o'clock, amen? If you got any sense at all, you got a VCR or whatever, and you tape the thing, amen? Now it's the iCloud on the YouTube TV. I don't know what it is, but praise God. Uh, don't skip church for a ball game, and don't be out of church when you should be in church, amen? And we're glad to see each one of you here. Appreciate Brother Jason uh, leading singing. He led singing yesterday, and he had so many compliments that I said, I think you missed your call. He says, no, my call is to preach, Daddy. It's not to lead singing. And he substituted for Brother Randy. He's out of town. But uh, I said, man, you're going to get used to this thing. But anyway, let's turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're running a little long, uh, a little late, but um, I'll try to get right to the point. Let's look, let's look at verse 14. I want to preach on the sacred trust of life or life's blessings. Tonight, let me just say this. I'm going to preach on why bad things happen to good people, i.e., Brother Gary. Why bad things happen to good people. And uh, so we have the we have the stewardship of suffering that we ought to realize that God entrusts some people to suffer all their life. He had Crohn's disease since he was 17 years of age and he suffered and I wonder why. Well, I'm going to answer that question tonight from the Word of God. Let's stand on the Word of God. Thank you, family, for coming and honor Ann and thank you, God, for all you that come to honor God, too, and, uh, and both. The Bible says, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Verse 14 Chapter 25 of Matthew. You with me? Say amen. amen. Who called his own servants and delivered unto him his goods. 
And unto one of them gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several abilities, and straightway took his journey. And then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. And he that had received one receiveth and diggeth in the earth and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. How many believe the Lord's coming soon? Say amen. amen. And so he that had received the five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou beholdest I have gained uh, besides them five talents more. And his Lord said unto him, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over the many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides thee. His Lord said to him, Well done. Thy good and faithful servant, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he which received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man. He didn't know God. He's not a hard man. He's a good father. Reaping where thou hast sown and gathering where thou hast not strong. And I was afraid. I went and hid the talent, thy talent, thy talent in the earth. Lo, there there that thou hast is thine. And his Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reaped where I sowed not and gathered where I have strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to exchangers, and then at my coming I would have received my own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he that hath have abundance, but from him that hath not shall he be taken away even that which he hath. And he cast and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for your grace and thank you for your blessings. Thank you for every breath, every heartbeat. God, thank you, as Brother Jason has already emphasized, the Word of God that we have to preach and to teach and to live and to read. God, thank you for life. Thank you for our children. Thank you for our mates. Thank you, God, for our homes. Thank you for health to be here this morning. God, help us to be good stewards of your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible calls Christians... Stewards. First Peter 4.10, 1 Corinthians 4.1. And, and, and a steward should be found faithful. Folks, a steward is not a Methodist deacon, which I often thought was. A steward is a manager, a supervisor, a keeper of accounts, an administrator. God has called you. God has called you to be a good steward of his blessings. Uh, I'm going to say this, God did not create you for some sensational trip of selfish indulgence. But God gave you life for a sacred trust. A sacred trust. So if I had a message, and Brother Cody's always trying to get me to get a message, Brother Lane, of title, so I'm going to give, 
give one. The sacred trust of life. The sacred trust of life. You know, God's trusted us with freedom. In the United States of America, we've got it made in the shade. We can go to church, and we don't have to worry about some army coming in here and blowing our heads off or some uh, government saying we can't worship. Hey, we have finances. God's blessed us, and we're kings compared to most of the third world country. So amen. You got two cars, you got two more than most people don't have in the world. You got a roof over your head with more than two rooms. You're blessed beyond measure compared to most of the world. Uh, we have a family. You got a family. You've been entrusted. All for the furtherance of the gospel. Now hang with me a little bit. I know a lot of y'all are very tired. Some of y'all clicking off right now. But listen, I ain't started yet. But I want to tell you, the Christian stewardship, number one, recognizes the ownership of God. Look at verse 14, Matthew 25. And the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. I want you to notice the word his goods. I want to say this, friend. Your life is not your own. God has blessed you to be a blessing. God has blessed you to invest. Let me just say this. The Lord is coming soon, and he's coming as an investor. So he has planted in your heart blessings, and those blessings he expects some return. Some of y'all got financial advisors for your retirement. God bless you that you got any finances to be advised about. Amen? But uh, would, you, would you say it would be a sorry uh, advisor if, if, if uh, you went back to him and lost everything you had and listen, there was no gain. No, you, you hire somebody and you expect them to manage your finances for a gain. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friend. The Lord Jesus Christ has given you life for a gain. He don't want you to get happy or he don't want you to get rich. He wants you to be like him. He wants you to bless his holy name. He, he has given you a trust he has sacredly trusted you with life. When I think of Brother Gary and others, I thank God they invested their very life in the ministry. Uh, Miss Linda, God bless her, she went far beyond the call of a wife. She was his servant. He, she was his dietitian. Uh, she was, yesterday I, I looked at her after the service we was eating over at Brother Cooper's church, which was so nice to have a meal after the graveside. And she, she just looked like she was about to pass out. And I said, oh, my, I hope God helps her to get her health back in her strength because she literally gave her life to take care of her husband. And it wasn't wasted. And it was appreciated very much by her husband. But we ought to give our life to the Lord. And by the way, three or four times after the service, she thanked me for giving the invitation and says, we had some relatives here that were lost. Thank God for her soul consciousness. And I didn't even intend to give an invitation. I was supposed to close in prayer. So I slipped up a little bit and gave a little invitation. But I want to tell you something, friend. I pray to God that my life will finish as well as Brother Gary Ledger's. And I thank God uh, that he wanted to preach more than he wanted to eat and more than he wanted to stay out of the hospital and everything else. He just wanted to do his work as a pastor, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the pastor that preached with an interpreter, I call them interrupters, takes twice as much time to preach. Brother David Gardner did a great job interpreting to the Spanish pastor. 
with tears in Spanish. He said, my two boys were killed, 19 and 17 years old, on the way to church, and my pastor was there for our family and comforted us. That's the life of a pastor. His heart's broken most of the time because he bears your brokenness. But I want to tell you something. If you want to interview somebody that's very happy today, go to heaven. I hope you don't go today. But go to heaven and interview Brother Gary and ask him this question. Brother, was it worth it all? And he'll say, yes, it was because God trusts me with his life and his goods and his, his abilities and his responsibility. And that's the priest of gospel. The Bible says in Exodus 19, 5, all the earth is mine. That includes you. Psalms 24, verse 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And we're making it full every day, amen? More full the way we eat. Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. Don't turn there because it'd take you 30 minutes to find it. But Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible says, The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord. It ain't yours. So I worked hard for it. Who gave you the breath to work? Who gave you the strength to work? Hey, who gave you the middle capacity to find work when you left out Monday morning? It's God. Think about it. God. Deuteronomy chapter 32, we will turn there. Deuteronomy chapter 32, it shows you a threefold um, ownership. I'm, I'm saying point number one, it's his goods. It's his life. I believe that Christian stewardship or lordship recognizes the ownership of God. We're not our own. Say amen right there. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 6, the Bible says, Do you requite the Lord? You know what that means? Do you shake your fist at God and say, I don't like what you're doing? Do you argue with God? You know, I want to tell you something. I want to say this real quick. Some of the family members of the Lefford family could get bitter that that helicopter didn't land three years ago with that liver that could have saved his life. But as Brother Timothy said in the eulogy, which was so wonderful, God bless the Lord's working in Timothy's life in a special way. His oldest son that sat there and day and night and helped his daddy, day and night with his dear mom. He said, we realize that if that helicopter had landed on that foggy Monday morning in January three years ago, that my daddy would have died on the operating table because they didn't know he had a heart condition. What an outlook. What an attitude from a family that they were saying, hey, God gave my family three years with Brother Gary when we were griping and complaining and fretting, and I was too, that it didn't land with the liver. Say amen right there. Every breath. They could have got bitter, but they got better. Say amen. Because we trust God that God is good and God makes no mistake and God is on time and all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose that he might predestine and foreordain us to be like him. Amen. Folks, God has created you. So why do we shake our fists at him? Let's get by this next verse. It says, do you requite the Lord? Do you argue with the Lord? Oh, foolish people and unwise, is not the Father, I like that, thy Father, that hath brought thee, has bought thee, hath he not made thee, has he not established thee? Threefold ownership he has on your life. 
Number one, he's made you. Say amen. You are a creation of God. Say amen. If you think you evolved from some monkey, you ought to go down to Grant Park Zoo, Atlanta Zoo, and look at your grandfather and grandmother and live there if you think, if you, if you believe that junk. We didn't evolve some one cell amoeba that flipped on and became a tadpole and the tadpole became a frog and the frog got so hairy he became an ape and the ape got so intelligent he showed up at floor engineer running the place. If monkeys made men back then, why don't monkeys make men now? Because monkeys have never made men. Say amen. God made man. God created us. That is a one-fold ownership he has on us. He made us. But not only that, the Bible says he established us. He sustains us. Come on now. How many of you have had a brush with death in your life? Anybody rode in the car with me? You probably have. No. How many of you, the doctors gave up on you? They gave up on Brother Gary years and years ago. And he bounced back. I want to tell you something. He didn't bounce back. God brought him back. Say amen. But I want to say this. I want to say it very, very distinctly. God has sustained your life. If you've ridden through Atlanta, Georgia at 4.30 in the afternoon, God has been merciful to you. Say amen. Amen. If you've got through the intersection of Duck Gap and Walnut Avenue, God's been merciful for you. Say amen. Have you noticed how many distracted drivers there are lately? Put your phones up. Hey, listen, friend. Drive and don't text. That's a paid political announcement for life. Because you look down at that phone and for two seconds you have traveled the distance of a football field. So you can go plow through somebody and say, oops, I was just trying to answer my Facebook like. Well, like them when you get home, say amen. Praise God, I'm preaching now. And meddling too. Distracted drivers, drunk drivers, disqualified drivers. Some of you should never have a license. <laughs> Amen. I, I think you cheated to get them the way you drive. But amen. Amen. And I want to tell you something. I've been in third world countries like uh, Peru. They don't even believe in driving. They just believe in get with it, don't stop, and pray. They, woo! I was thinking about that yesterday when I saw Brother uh, David interpreting for Brother Raul. Raul. I thought, I remember the time I rode with him. And I told him I was in a hurry because I drank the water. And he said, don't worry about it, preacher. I got this in control. He started going through intersections in a single bound. He went, inside, he went over sidewalks. He went through mediums. He was just going to get me to the El Capado or whatever it's called, amen. And I thought, my word, I would rather die than be in this car. And I almost did. <laughs> Folks, you've been spared. Say amen. You've been spared. I mean, listen, God's been good. And then look at this. It says, and thou hast bought thee. Third fold ownership he has on your life is he saved you. He didn't save you to be safe and give you a ticket to heaven. It's pretty good. I got saved when the preacher was preaching on hell on Sunday morning, Sunday night. And I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell. I think that's pretty intelligent. I think it's pretty wise for a 12-year-old not to want to go to hell. But I want to tell you something. There was no hell to miss, no heaven to gain. I get saved for the peace, joy, purpose, and answers to prayer on this earth that Christians enjoy, the abundant life. Folks, listen, he bought you. 
He took your death. He took your hell. He took your grave. Folks, the grave has no victory over you now. It's just a passageway. And I want to tell you something. That's a threefold claim. Let me turn, turn to one verse. I'm going to preach this tonight if you all come back. So I won't have to be here to 2 o'clock. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. As we continue this thought about God owns you. God owns you. The sacred trust of life. God did not call you to have some wonderful trip called life of pleasure. But I want to tell you something, friend. My worst day is better than the best day of a lost person. Because I have Jesus. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus that saved me. But the Bible says what? Know you not? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, you with me? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? You know what you ought to do? You ought to take care of that temple. Say amen right there. All you that's on a diet. Oh, wait a minute, it's February, you're off of it now. But anyway, uh, look, it says, what, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? Now listen which you have of God, and look at the last phrase, and you're not your own. The sacred trust of life. Look at this, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit. What's the last three words, class? Which are God's. Your body and your spirit are God's. Little s, that don't mean Holy Spirit, that means disposition, attitude, emotion. You have no right to lose it. You have no right to be arrogant and mad all the time, sad all the time. Folks, your spirit should be like God's spirit, kind, considerate, loving. And then again, I think of Brother Gary. He's the kindest man I ever met. And I don't mean to be preaching his memorial service this morning, but it's heavy on my heart because we loved him so much. Wonderful eulogy, Brother Al. But God help us. God help us not to take life for granted. You were not created for yourself. If you think it's all about you, then I want to tell you something. This party's not about you. You're so vain you think this party's about you. You're, you're not here just to enjoy yourself or sin or Satan or the sensual world. You're here for his glory. Amen. Amen. That lifts the purpose up, don't it? You talk about purpose-driven life, I got it. I'm driven by the purpose. I got to glorify God. I want to glorify God with all my heart. I'm redeemed by the precious blood of the Lamb. I'm bought from the slavery of sin. Folks, he set me free not to do what I want to do, but to submit to God's will. And God's will is wonderful. God's will is enjoyable. God's will is fulfilling. Folks, I'm just going to get to one point. It looks like, no, i got to get to two. The Christian stewardship recognizes ownership of God. He owns you. And so I ain't going to let anybody own me. That's rebellion. It's a sin of witchcraft. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do. I want to tell you something. You might not respect your daddy and you might not respect your preacher, but you ought to respect God because God is God. I know that's not a profound statement, but it's a true one. God is God. And he is Lord. 
And when you submit to the Lord, life's got to go better. Hey, let me just put it this way. If you're in sync with your Creator, don't you think life would be better? But if you're in rebellion against your Creator, nothing's going to work out. And when it works out, it might be the worst curse in your life because it's out of the will of God. You've seceded out of the will of God. You've married out of the will of God. You're raising children out of the will of God. It could be a curse upon your life. But all the blessings of realizing, number one, that Christian stewardship, Christian lordship is recognizing the ownership of God. His goods. Go back to the text. His goods. His goods. Thank God it's his life, not ours. Wouldn't mess it up. But I want you to notice something else. In verse 14, it says he delivered unto them his goods. The measurement of the investment begins. He starts comparing three men and delivers unto them. I want you to take the word delivered unto them and I want you to think about Christian stewardship or Christian lordship recognizes a position of sacred trust. Sacred trust. You take a job that employer trusts, trusts you to do, do right and do the job. Amen? Uh, there's a sacred trust of education. You don't, shouldn't fool around for 12 years. You ought to get some kind of knowledge and then put wisdom to it and apply what you learn. But some people just float through school. They try to skim on by. You know, they're there for athletics or they're there for the cheerleaders. Like I took typing one time just to be in a class with a bunch of cheerleaders. God, help me. And that's the only C I made in all of high school. I couldn't type. But I want to tell you something, friend. I, do, I use that class more than I do any class I took in high school. I type all the time. Amen? Not good, but I type. It's not like this. I mean, it's really with all four fingers. One time I was taking an exam and the thing stopped and I raised my hand and I said, teacher, there's something wrong with this typewriter. And she said, you got to hit the carriage and go backwards. So that's how old we were. We had actually typewriters back then, amen? And I just froze up in there and I had 15 words over four errors. I thought I was doing great, amen? Typing. But I want to tell you something, friend. God did not deliver you just to get an education. God gives you an education to make you wise unto him, to apply the education. Say amen. He didn't just give you a job to get rich. Hey, he didn't call you just to play basketball and be a famous hero and make multi-millions of dollars. And what does it profit a man if he loses his whole family playing a game? I know I'm being direct, and I've, I've offended half of you Laker fans, but I'm going to tell you something, friend. There's more to life than a game. There's more to life than a sport. There's more to life than money. There's more to life than what you want and your fame and your, your hero status I'm going to tell you something. There is a God that has trusted you with life. There's a God that has sacredly said, I'm delivering unto you some abilities. And those talents literally mean opportunities. All of us have abilities. Time, talent, treasures, titles, truth. We all got it. And you know what the Lord's saying when he comes back? I'm an investor. He's coming back as an investor. 
And he said, I've given you life. What have you done with it? And that's where we come with this um, stewardship of personal responsibility. In verse 15, it says, And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several abilities, and straightway took his journey. He went to heaven. Now he's coming back. When he comes back, he, then when he, when he has received the five talents, went and traded the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. And he that received one went and digged it, digged it in the earth and hid it in his Lord's money. Just kept it to himself. And after a long time, the Lord of the, whose servants cometh and reckoned with them. Let me close by saying this. There's going to be a reckoning day. In the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to give account of what we did with what we had and the opportunities we had. And Americans, we've had more opportunities than most of the world to spread the gospel, to take the gospel, to send the gospel. Folks, I'm talking about the management. I'm talking about investment, not spending your life, but investing your life. Folks, I'm telling you, he expects a return. The talents that you don't lose, you will lose. And I want to tell you something, friend, the opportunities and freedoms and blessings we have God has called you to account one day. Stewardship recognizes accountability. Look at verse 19. And after a long time, the Lord whose servants cometh and reckoned with them. Look at verse 25. It says, And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. And he said, Thou wicked and slothful servant. And took that one talent away and gave it to the one that had ten. And folks, I want to tell you something. You might be a two-talent, you might be a five-talent, you might be a one-talent, but I want to tell you something. Whatever God's given you, He expects a return. He expects you to be faithful with the opportunity that God has given you. That's a simple parable, but it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Here's the heavenly meaning. Stewardship is lordship. And God has called you not to be the owner of your life and the owner of your things He's called you to manage what God gives you. Amen. And there's a lot of mismanagement going on in the world today because there's a whole lot of people living for themselves. I want you to turn to the last verse. I'll preach the rest of this tonight. Of this that I read, it says, And he cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now let me close with this. The one guy had one life, but he kept his life to himself. He did not get saved. He did not invest his life in the glory of God. He did not realize he was a sinner and that he couldn't save himself. He just said, hey, I'm going to keep this one life. It's my life. I'll live like I want to. Nobody's going to be Lord of my life. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to say. Nobody's going to tell me where to work. Nobody's going to tell me what to invest. I'm keeping my life to myself. And he died and there's weeping and gnashing of teeth because he never got saved. Folks, you only have one life. So soon it will pass. And only what's done for Christ will last. So give to Jesus all your days for it's the only life that pays when you recall you have but one life. And God did not give you that life, birthed you. I mean, your mama allowed you to live. That's why I'm so against abortion. 
Folks, these babies have a right to live. And God help those politicians that are trying to say that somebody has a right to kill their baby. Folks, their right ended when they became pregnant. Say amen. I'm not getting off on a tangent. I'm saying God allowed you to live. God brought you through the flu. 80,000 people have not made it in this world. Folks, God has allowed you to make that trip to the grocery store yesterday. God has allowed you to live, and I want to tell you why he allowed you to live, to save you, to redeem you, to buy you, but not just to buy you, but to bless you to be a blessing. One of the most wonderful things is a saved wife. One of the most wonderful things is a saved husband. Hey, one of the most wonderful things is saved children. Oh, I can't imagine my children going to hell. They were there serving God yesterday, and my little girl was down in South Africa trying to watch that funeral service, and here's her sister trying her best to keep that phone going. She killed one, we handed her another one. Praise God, she's trying to get it to sister because she loves her so much, and she didn't want her to miss uh, the wonderful service. And I thought to myself, how proud I am of my children. That they love God, they want to serve God, and that they got saved by the grace of God. Now they can be good husbands. Now they can be good wives. Now they can be good parents. Now they can be good servants of God. It all starts with giving your one life to God, saying, Lord, you gave it to me to give back to you. So I trust you with my life. Stop praying some flare prayer. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me before I go, and so I won't go to hell. It's not just throwing up a flare prayer. It's giving your life to God. You say, well, I would do that, but I can't live it. I can't either, but God lives it through you. Amen. And so what's so wonderful about the stewardship of, and the lordship of Christ that he gives you power to live it. Amen. Tonight I'll be preaching on suffering and why God allowed a man of God to go through such pain and agony and suffering since the age of 17. But I want to tell you the reason tonight that folks, God trusts us with suffering. It takes a special person to suffer and not turn on God. Right. Amen. He picks special people to suffer all their life. And we ought to be good stewards of it. That's tonight, but I want to tell you what's this morning. God's blessed you. The goodness of God draweth man to repentance. Folks, I want to tell you something. It shouldn't take the scare of hell to save you. It ought to take the blessings of life that you fall in his lap and say, Dear God, teach me to use your blessings. Teach me to yield to your blessed spirit. Teach me to be a good husband. Teach me to be a good wife. Teach me to be a good parent. Teach me to be a respectful child. Teach me to be a good servant. And folks, that's salvation and that's lordship. Father, use the message. Thank you, dear God, for this parable, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And thank you, dear God, for these folks that's gathered here to honor and worship you with all the blessings of life you've given them. God, help us to realize stewardship is ownership. That stewardship recognizes not only ownership but a sacred trust of being a manager the being yielded 
to realize you're the master and we're the servant. To occupy till you come and make progress and reach souls, train our children right, set a good example. But God, thank you for the personal responsibility of stewardship that every man is going to face you. And thank you, dear God, for the power of stewardship and lordship, that you give us the power to live for you. When we get saved, you give us the Spirit of God. We become your temple. and We're not our own. And we have the ability then to glorify you with our body and our spirit, which are the Lord's. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I hardly ever preach unless I give an invitation because I might never see you again. Or you might not really realize the opportunity again. This is your opportunity to be saved. But you'd say, preacher, I know I'm saved and I thank God that the Lord came to me and showed me that I could have life and life abundant and life eternal if I'd only confessed that I could not live it on my own strength. That I was a sinner. That I need to be saved cross of Calvary and the death, burial, and resurrection was enough. You say, preacher, I've had that time in my life. I know that if I died today that I'd go to heaven. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony? Nobody looking around now. How many glad you saved? Say amen. Isn't it wonderful? Not to just be prepared to die, but prepared to live. Several cannot raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise you I will not embarrass you. I don't do that. But I want to pray for you. That's the most I can do for you. You'd say, preacher, I got the message this morning. God's my creator. God's my sustainer. But God's not my savior. Because I've never trusted him as my personal Lord and Savior. And I want you to please pray for me that I'll get saved before it's too late. And I realize I need to be saved, and I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer and then back down? Nobody's looking, I promise you. I want to pray for you. That's the most I can do. Don't let pride keep you back. And listen, I want to tell you something. God is working on your heart if you admit that you're a candidate for salvation. If you admit that you need to be saved. Anyone, just slip your hand up, then back down. I want to pray for you. Anyone? Wait just a moment. That conviction you feel in your hearts, the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart's door saying, please, let me in. I will be a great Lord to your life. I can manage your life better than you can. Let me believe that. Say amen. amen. Several could raise your hand that you're saved, but how many would say, preacher, I want to invest the rest of my life in God's glory. I want to do more for God. I want to be more yielded. I just want to be more available to the opportunities of the talents God gives me. That's what that word talent means, opportunities to take your abilities and use them for God. And really, it's His ability flowing through your life. What a great life it is. You'd say, preacher, I want to just crown Him as Lord of my life, whatever He wants, whatever He wants to do in my life, whatever He wants me to be, that's what I want to be. Would you slip your hand up high for prayer all over this place? God bless you. God bless you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Anyone else say, preacher, I've, God's really been dealing with my life about my life and I know life's short a lot of people younger than me has passed on like Brother Gary's younger than me and I know I need to do more for God and I want you to please pray for me anybody else I want to do more for God yes yes God bless you Father thank you for the message I pray it's been a message not just a sermon not just an outline 
God, thank you for the sacred trust of life. God, help us get a greater vision of what you want in our life, what you can do through our life. Lord, I pray for those that could not raise their hand that they were saved. I pray that, Lord, during the invitation, they'd come and shake my hand, and I'll know why they're coming. We'll have someone take the Bible on this front row and show them how they can know they're saved. They can go to heaven and not hell. They can live this week and the weeks to come for your glory, your honor, your praise, and invest their life in your glory. What a life it'll be. They'll only trust you. We pray for these that are in conviction. In Jesus' name.